I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we are talking about the State of the Union. So grab your speechwriter and let's get civical. That sounded so inauthentic. I deeply apologize. Hey! Oh my god! <laughs> it's so good to see you too! Hey. It's like when I see somebody I went to college with, I'm just like, oh, I go like up here! Because <laughs> that's where I lie! I lie oh. up in my head voice. I When I'm totally. lying, I'm living up here. Yep. <laughs> that's me when I think about grade school kids. The what? kids that I went to grade school oh, with. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I, yeah, yeah. I thought when you were thinking about kids that are like <laughs> 10 and under, you're like, ew! <laughs> I mean, I do only like the one, my goddaughter. That's true. The yeah. rest of them, there. It's a tough bunch. Annoying. It's a tough from zero to fifteen. It's a tough. It's, it's a, a tough, tough ride. It's a tough ride. It's a tough ride. Although I will give me a baby. I I love babies. Infants are amazing. Infants are amazing. We love infants. They're fairly easy 
I think. As long as you so, are not unless, afraid of them. No, yeah. They're very easy until something is very wrong. Right. And then the inability to communicate becomes a problem. <laughs> Why are you crying? Just tell me. What do Just you want? Just tell me. <laughs> Just articulate. I feel what? <laughs> what do you feel? <laughs> Use your words. Use your words. Speaking of words. Oh, my God. Today, we're talking about the State of the Union yes. address. Yeah, the address. The and address. Yes, it is completely out of season, but you know what? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. No, but it's a very interesting because it only happens once a year, correct? Yep. Yes, it only happens once a year, and it's a, it's a weird time. We've only talked about it in context of like... The one of it's one of the events where you have to have a designated survivor. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's too many members of like all of the higher up governmental officials in yeah. one building that they're yeah. like, if somebody wants to mass murder, we need to have one survivor. Somebody has to stay behind. So it's time that we really crack it open and talk about the State of the Union. Yep. And what it what it is, where it's from, yep, yep, what yep, she's yep. doing, and all that jazz. So I'm going to start us off and we're going to talk about the origins of the State of the Union because you betcha it comes from our favorite girl, the Constitution. <laughs> Yay. I wish there was like a do 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 after every time I say the Constitution. Do 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 As the editor, I feel like that's well within your right to add it. Oh my God, it. you're so right. I edit all of these episodes. <laughs> but I, it's going to be me going do 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 off key. <laughs> <laughs> not a singer i'm not a singer so it is found in article 2 section 3 clause 1 pull it up that's me pulling it up this is what the constitution says the president shall from time to time give to the congress information of the state of the union and recommend their to their consideration such measures as he he, he? shall judge necessary and expedient I remember we've read this before and I couldn't say the word expedient. My, how I've grown. <laughs> I've Words grown so far. Flowing out of your mouth. Fly. So a lot to unpack here. First of all, very vague. From time to time. <laughs> from time to time. From, from east to west, from north to south, <laughs> from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, they give to the Congress information. Any information. Any information. Just information. Fun blue. Of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration. I'm going to start using that phrase. I recommend to your consideration that you not break up with me. <laughs> I understand we have an understanding. I understand we have an understanding. <laughs> That's exactly that. I just licked the mic. Well. <laughs> to their consideration, such measures as he, he shall judge necessary and expedient. Sure. And that's it. That's it. That's all she wrote. This fact I hate so much. You'll find out right now why. <laughs> It was formerly known as the annual message <laughs> from 1790 to 1946. Very late. The annual message? Very late. The annual message. No one is an artist. No one is an artist who's writing this. No. No artist in the bunch, except maybe the goat. This is some bullshit. The, the goat annual like, message? Change that shit. <laughs> I don't like it. Like the annual message. The annual. I'm going to. Uh, Hey, uh, <laughs> Bill, I got to go. I, I'm going to go give the annual message. Can you watch the kids? Like, what? What? No. That's such, That's a, bad such a bad title. Name. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't flow well either on, like, an MSNBC, like, State of the Union. So, too, right. that branding Can is very on point. President Trump delivers the annual message <laughs> live now from the Capitol. <laughs> like, what? What? No. No. Yeah. Not buzzword. Two 
Couldn't be less buzzwords. No. Annual message. Dead words. Dead words to me. Yeah. Mm-mm. It began to be informally called the State of the Union message slash address from 1942 to 1946. So it was like behind closed doors. They were like. The, FDR was like, I don't like this. I don't annual message. It feels. Uh, ah, yeah, uh, it feels. No. It feels heavy on the tongue. Yeah. It feels heavy on the tongue. Yeah. How about uh, let's throw out some things. Um, the the fun update. <laughs> <laughs> the news flash. The breaking news. <laughs> and then some like clerk is probably like mm, the annual. No, the State of the Union. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, the State of the Union. The State let's, of the Union. Let's jazz it around it's the mouth for four years and yeah. see if that sticks. And then in 1947, it became officially known as the State of the Union Address. Do you think that's a law that they passed? I actually don't know. Probably. Probably, right? They're I like, feel like here for two afterwards. Yeah. Forthwith. Here for two forthwith. State of the Union. State of the Union. Comma, comma, semicolon, period. Period. <laughs> Spaces. Spaces, space, space. Exclamation point. Yes. Including the 2019 address by President Trump, there have been a total of 96 in-person annual messages slash State of the Union addresses. Yeah. Addresses. It's always it's interesting. It's so much less than I think, but then I have to remember that like. Well, there's a whole um, period where they didn't do them. Where they didn't do them. They yeah. were just like, here's my papers. Yeah. I, what do you want from me? He, since oh dear, enemy of the show, President Woodrow Wilson's 1913 address, there have been a total of 84 in-person addresses. Yeah. There's a big break. They used to do them like yeah. that. Originally was how they did them. They would go to the wherever like the seat they would of go government to the was. one building, the one building, <laughs> and they'd be like, "We're talking now." All right, all right, hey, hear ye, order. hear ye, order. <laughs> hey, that's enough. I have had enough from you, goat. Here's where we're at. There's nine of us and a goat. I'd like you to consider it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your time. Also, Postmaster General, doing great. Doing so well. So well. Love your work. Thank Love you. your work. Thank the you mail for from us to us gets every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah, so there was a big break. Yeah. <laughs> but when they were doing it. Yeah. Which is crazy. I love so it. Weird. The way they just like sent a letter and was like, this is where we're at. Yeah. They were just like, somebody, can we t just type it out and send it to them? Yeah. That's like when like I haven't talked to one of my really close friends in a while and I just send them a text being like, hey, FYI, um, here is everything new about me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's new with you? What's new with you? Oh, yeah. cool. Love it. All right. Great. great. See you at the next annual message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A House concurrent resolution. Do we remember this? Oh, yes. Manners. The, the episode Manners. that almost killed me. Um, the oh, House concurrent so resolution set, sets aside the day and time for a joint session, quote, for receiving such communication as the President of the United States shall be pleased to make them, end quote, and is passed by both the House and the Senate. So this was important because yeah. when President Trump shut down the government at the beginning of this year, Nancy Pelosi was like, Actually, we're going to reschedule. Yeah. Because I have that power Bec and we're not going to do this until the government is open. Until the government is open. Because, Concurrent resolution. Because A, we invite you to make we this speech. We invite you. So yeah. So we're sending the invitation because you've closed the government. So how do you expect us to pay for the security and for all of the stuff that are that a State of the Union address now requires? Valid. Valid. Nancy you can Blader send us right. a letter if you would like. Yeah. And sure enough, he postponed it. He postponed it. Yeah. Because he wanted the FaceTime in front of the cameras. And honestly, as somebody who enjoys the mic in her face. I love it right now. I'm having the best time. I'm having the best time. <laughs> 
So then uh, we had the ratification of the 20th Amendment on January 23rd, 1933. I remember I'm it well. I'm making this super sexy with a shoulder roll. With, and do I you remember the 20th Amendment? January 23rd, <laughs> 1933. I'm in a lace number. <laughs> It's like, what do people wear? What do people wear in 1930? I don't know. I haven't showered in three days. So don't look it. Don't smell it. That's my state of the union. (laughs) My state of the union is I am drenched in sweat. That's our annual message. Goodbye. (laughs) So this 20th Amendment changed the opening of Congress from early March to early January which affected the delivery of the annual message. Because remember, at this time, it was still it's called still annual, message. annual message. We will refer to it as it is called in the time period. I can't wait to move past 1942, <laughs> to be honest. Yep. Annual message annual really message. is weighing me down. It's really heavy. It sounds like a, 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 a doctor checkup. Oh, I got to go in for my <laughs> annual message. You know, let's see. Let's see what's wrong with the old body today. How's my blood work? Like... <laughs> Ugh. And then in, until 1934, the annual message was delivered every September, or sorry, every December, right before Christmas. Right before the holidays. Nothing says, uh, happy holidays, like the State of the, the Union. Of the oh, Union. sorry, sorry. The annual message. That's right. Ugh. The annual message is, we are well. Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, in this point, it was like, the annual message is, oh, there's a dust bowl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the depression is still shit. great. Welcome to our country. Welcome. We are uh, all hungry nobody and starving. Food. Okay. Since 1934, the annual message slash State of the Union address is delivered every January or February consistently for like the last, I don't know, 20 some odd years. It's been every January. Since 1934? You think that's 20 years? Well, it says every January or February. So I was just making the point that it's usually every January. It doesn't really happen in February anymore. No, unless the government shuts down. (laughs) Exactly. Did you get that? Got it. So every January now it typically happens. Usually like super late in the evening. It's at like 9 p.m. because California. And so people are like. I like my ass stays up and watches it with yeah, yeah. alcohol and I'm like what's going what's going to happen what, what are they going to say last time I watched it in a bar with people and we yelled at the TV it was sure. fantastic sure if you've ever watched a state of the union a modern state of the union not if you you know didn't catch James Polk back way in the day which I mean you know I did but not everybody <laughs> not did. everybody did not yeah. everybody was there Friend of the family, um, James Polk yeah. yeah the modern state of the unions are like full it's a full house there's full n- house. no standing sold room. out baby it's a sold out extended show extended run <laughs> It's Broadway on a Saturday night. When they have power. When there's power. Yeah. <laughs> when there's not a blackout. <laughs> so the fo- these are the following people who can like sit on the floor in the house chamber. Not literally on the floor, but in a seat. On, that's, they, they sit there. Thank um, you for clarifying that they're not sitting, <laughs> sitting on, on the, the floor. floor during the address. So it's members and former members of the house, members and former members, members of the Senate, the president's cabinet, <laughs> which is. Light, light <laughs> at the point at this point. Uh, very, um, we've we're down a few, except as we've talked about, we except one secretary, one cabinet member stays behind as the designated survivor. He it is, has to be somebody he or she is elsewhere, he or she is elsewhere at an undisclosed location, and they also have to be like a natural born citizen. Yes, all so the all of the requirements have to basically everybody but Elaine Chow right now, right? Can be can be the designated survivor yeah the joint chiefs of staff the chief justice of the united states and the justices of the supreme court fun fact if you haven't watched a state of the union you should for the very simple fact that ruth bader ginsburg always falls asleep oh i didn't know that she literally you should look up you just see her it's like it's like in minute five her head is just hung like it's just (laughs) she is out she's like because she's busy she's She's 90 she's a 
old and she's be like. She's already worked out that day. Uh, she's worked out and she's like, look, I've written maybe at this point one million pages of Ugh. Supreme Court opinions and dissents. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. And, honestly, and now I have to sit and listen to the State of the Union. Put it in an email. <laughs> <laughs> it is 9 p.m. It is past my bedtime. Oh, man, I love RBGB. She's love, always asleep. God, I love <laughs> I'm it. I'm sure she's not the only one asleep, but the, the justices sit, like, in front. They're, yeah, like, they front and center. I love that she gives zero mm-hmm. fucks. Why? What is she, she going to care about? No. She's too busy making rules of our nation's I would, uh, nation. I would I would fall asleep with a sign that said, fight me. Like, I just. <laughs> yeah. It's wake me when it's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Challenge, so challenge me to wake up. That's my little fun fact. Everybody look up pictures of RBG sleeping at the State of the oh Union. My God, it's I amazing. Love. I'll that's find a so picture. Great. I'll post yeah, it. Yeah, we'll I'll post, post it. it. It's amazing. So and then, so those are the people who can like sit on the floor of the house during the, the speech. And then up in the gallery, up in the top, you'll notice that like when they mention when a president mentions somebody in their speech, like you know, we're we're making strides against gun policy. That's Obama. A, that's Obama. Yeah, Clearly yeah not that's Trump. definitely not Trump. That's not Trump. Clearly Obama. We're making strides against gun policy. And here, you know, we've got this lovely human who survived. You know, like they gesture up to the gallery because that's uh, where like invited guests are and generally where like the first family will sit. Yeah. So the seating in the gallery is only for ticket holders and is coordinated by the sergeant at arms of the house. The sergeant at arms. Yeah. We should do a whole episode on the we sergeant will. at arms of the uh, house. Yes. I, that is a great title. Stay tuned. We're going to do one. Since uh, President Ronald Reagan's State of the Union addresses, some of the president's personal guests in the House gallery have been publicly recognized in the course of the address. So, so that's, Reagan started that trend. Reagan started that like, trend. Blah, blah, yeah. blah from blah, 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 blah is up here. Right. Yeah. And we see that in the camera. We'll cut to them and they'll be like, yeah, it's yeah. usually children and it's a thing. It's children, it's vets, it's somebody yeah. who's been hurt, somebody who yeah. is, it's usually victims of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, makes sense if you're trying to get Congress to, like, give people money for something. Yeah. yeah. Put a face to it. Yeah. Let's talk about the evolution of the State of the Union, because you guessed it has changed over time. Because once we were nine people in a goat, and now we have a full-ass chamber of Congress to deal with. So here's how it's changed. In the 19th century, the annual message was both a lengthy administrative report on the various departments of the executive branch and a budget and economic message. So it's like, here's what we've done, okay, in the course of the year. And also, we don't have money. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you remember the first part, we've spent it doing things. We've spent it doing a lot of things. Wow, what a very, I bet that was a very boring paper. (laughs) Oh, okay. After 1913, when enemy of the show Woodrow Wilson revived the practice of presenting the message to Congress in person, it became a platform for the president to rally support for his, his agenda. Yeah. The big technological changes that have happened over the year, um, it, it was it used to be radio, yeah, and then television, and now it streams on the internet, For and that further developed the State of the Union into a forum for the president to speak directly to the American people. So it used to be like the president reporting to Congress. Right. Now it's literally the president reporting to everyone. Amer- to everybody. To, to everybody who and has a screen beyond. who can watch. Yeah. yeah. And now like they, they started doing it like when Obama was president, but he they would do like, a, the WhiteHouse.gov would do like a side... Like, if you watched it online, it was, like, a stream of the speech. And then on the side, they would have, like, bullet points and graphics yeah. and, like, a little mini PowerPoint fun. on the side. And I was like, you guys, this is so much information. Like, yeah. thank you so much. Like, you're working really hard. Yeah. I, I'm barely processing what he's saying. Right. 
So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. President George Washington, remember him, combined the inaugural address with his annual message on April 30th, 1789. Seems a little easy. Okay. <laughs> Seems like George didn't want to do two things. <laughs> he read the address to a joint session of Congress, which come on was nine people in the goat yep in the senate chamber federal hall of new york city shout out yes washington delivered his first regular annual message to a joint session of congress where there were 10 people in a goat mm -hmm. in new york city on january 8th 19 or 1790 yep president thomas jefferson began the practice of sending separate written annual messages to the house and the senate with his first one on december 8th 1801. I love that he's like, you guys need different information. <laughs> you see, like, what if like he's just you... trying to like fuck around with them and like tell the Senate one thing and the House another thing? <laughs> it's like, so TJ was like just giving himself work. Yeah, he was like, I, you know, I've got these ideas, but I think what I think needs to happen I is you. I want nuance. I want nuance. I feel like the House, you need to know this information. The goat over here in the Senate, he gets it. He, he doesn't need as much he information. Need, he gets it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the goat. The goat. Always making an appearance. So then earlier annual messages of the president also included agency budget requests. They were very, like, very nitty gritty. Could you imagine, like... like all right, we, we got to slash the budget, guys. Annual message. Annual oh, message. message. We've got to slash the budget. This is so silly. I know. It's so funny. Also, it was like, was this the only time that they communicated these types of yes, things to each because other because it takes 16 months to get anywhere that's true that's true like, they were like, like you have to, the president's like you have to no you have to come to the state of union we have to do I this i have to tell you there's so much that we have to I talk want. about we have one hour let's go <laughs> here's the agenda here's the agenda <laughs> it's bullet pointed for you all right so just read color it color coded let's go so earlier in your annual messages included agency budget requests, general reports on the and general reports on the health of the economy. Bless. Right. During the 20th century, Congress required more specialized reports on these two things, the budget and the economic health of <laughs> our society. And so they became separate from the annual message, which I'm basically assuming is now like the constant daily emails. That they yeah, get, they were right? like, like, OK, we can't talk about budget requests anymore because we need like there's a lot of budgets now. There's a lot of budgets. We have now. too many budgets for one annual message. We can't just. Yes, we need more regular updates. Yeah. Yeah. Text me. Text me. Let me know. Send me a carrier pigeon. Yeah. The budget message, which was required by the National Budget and Accounting Act of 1921. Hi. Oh, I just yawned reading that. I know, right? Sorry. <laughs> was to be delivered to Congress no more than two weeks after Congress convenes in January. So oh. they would do like this whole, they would do like the budget message and then they would do the annual message. And oh it was my like, God. Bop, Imagine bop, bop, having bop, to go bop. to the budget message. <laughs> I would be asleep. I would be RBGing that, <laughs> that message for sure. For sure. And then there's an economic report, which is required by the Employment Act of 1946 and has a flexible delivery date. Great. <laughs> Great. Says the House. Look, I love, let's keep it loosey goosey. Let's keep it loosey goosey. Yeah. Several recent presidents have chosen not to send or deliver a formal State of the Union address during their first oh. year in office. Trump didn't. And I don't think Obama did either. Really? Well, because... They're, they've just oh, taken oh, office. Oh, because it's literally they take office on, what, January 1st or whatever. They, and, uh, no, January like 11th or yeah, whatever Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then and what, three weeks later, the state of the union is that I just became president. <laughs> and wow, oh, wow. <laughs> what a job it is. I have, we've, we've finally gotten our, our room set up at the White House. 
we've unpacked a little bit. Uh, I've learned some <laughs> names. Uh, you're going to have to remind me. Sorry if I, if I asked twice. <laughs> Melania's doing great. <laughs> she's, she's not here yet. <laughs> but eventually, I know she'll come reluctantly from New York. Like, you know, I know. Could you? Yeah, it's just, that's fair. I get that. I totally yeah. get that. Yeah. So they prefer to deliver special, like, if they're not going to do it in their first year of office and deliver, like, a huge state of the union speech yeah. for like everybody in the go watches yeah they'll deliver a more like a specialized speech to congress so ronald reagan talked about economic recovery in 1981 <laughs> feel like great thanks thanks ron thanks for that thanks ron big big help big help with that loved your ideas go sit down george hw bush talked about building a better america oh, in 89 dear. okay yep bill clinton talked about the economy 1993 <laughs> george w bush economy 2001 are we sensing a theme <laughs> barack obama economic crisis hey 2009 i feel like i feel like obama's economic crisis should have just been i didn't cause this right letting you guys know i'm inheriting this mess inheriting okay? this mess you're gonna try to blame me for this for the next 20 years yep I inherited this right from a guy who inherited a surplus from the previous guy. It's so crazy. like, hi, it's crazy. hi, hello, hello, connect the dots. Not my fault. I love that. But in modern times, the state of the union is delivered in the house chamber. Like we talked about prior to the capitals move to Washington, the annual message, as Lizzie mentioned, was delivered in the Senate chamber yeah. before when it, when the seat of government was in New York city. Shout out to New York city. Yep. Something that has become common and uh, it's a fairly not recent phenomenon, not recent, recent, but like with uh, the people are alive who remember this. Yeah. Are the response speeches. Very interesting. We've gotten a little carried away with the response speeches. Sure. Now there's like five, six, seven, eight, one thousand of them. Right. Before it was just like the other side. The practice began in 1966 when the television networks provided the Republican Party with a half hour slot. Mm-hmm. Senator Everett Dirk. Dirksen? Dirksen. Dirksen. Senator Everett Dirksen, who was a Republican from Illinois and representative at the time, future president Gerald Ford. Shout out to former model Gerald Ford. Ha! It was a Republic, Republican a representative from Michigan, delivered the first opposition response. Great. And then by 1976, the television networks provided a slot for the opposing party basically almost every time immediately after the State of the Union. And now they're like... Literally, there's like five people who come yeah. out. It's the like, official, well, like, there's like, there's always one that's like, okay, this is the one that's like sponsored by the Democrats. Yeah, there's party. the official official response, and yeah. then there's like, and this year, this past year, for people who don't know, Stacey Abrams from Georgia was the one who gave the response to the State of the Unions, like on behalf of the Democratic of the Democratic party. party. Yeah, she did. But then in the year before, like when it was when Obama used to be president, they would have like the Republican response and then they would have the Tea Party response. And then they I remember the first response. And then Marco Rubio would drink water for 18,000 years. He's dehydrated. The first the first response I ever watched that, you know, when I first got politically engaged, it was a response to an Obama address that was given by back then star of the Republican Party, Paul Ryan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, right? Oof. I was like, yeah. Remember him? God. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> Your political career is Oof. over. <laughs> also, nobody home on the inside. Nobody home on the inside. No. No, that, the home has been abandoned. Abandoned. Yeah. That was, that the was, home there is was owned a flood. by the bank. That's where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> it went under. It went under. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about pivotal speeches, pivotal State of the Union speeches that have been giving throughout time that we yeah, found yeah. interesting and we're going to start with 
very, very famous president, one of the top known presidents. You guessed it, James Polk. <laughs> <laughs> you know him, you love him. You know him, you love him, friend of the show. Come on down, James. No, President, president Polk is a very unknown president, but he gave a very interesting State of the Union address. So President Polk, Polk's, oh, it's a hard Polk. Yeah. President Polk's fourth, oh my God, this is so <laughs> difficult in the throat. President Polk's fourth State of the Union address in 1848 launched a massive migration westwards in 10, manifest destiny, in 10 years, the white population of California, <laughs> the white, rose from 80 to 300,000 because the president reported that the rumors of gold in California were true. Spreading fake news! <laughs> James, <laughs> I just, nuts. That's nuts. I just want to be like, honey, keep a lid on it. Like, what do you? Do? This is very irresponsible. So, right. I mean, people died trying to get to California yes, to find gold. Uh, it was a very treacherous journey. Yeah. Manifest destinying to California to I find love, gold. I love that that was in his speech, though. There's gold out there, you guys. No, he was literally There's like, gold. okay, go get it. Econom economy's not great, but get this, <laughs> there is gold in california it's wild it's, it's wild crazy. you gotta go you gotta go have i been no but you gotta go you gotta go oh james you know he just did that so that like they could settle the west yes of course he did it's a blatant very manipulative line. yeah polk also said that the accounts of the abundance of gold in that territory are of such an extraordinary character as would scarcely command belief were not they corroborated by the authentic reports of officers in the public service who have visited the mineral district and derived the facts which they detail from personal observation. He is lying. He's like, there's also so He's, many words. I have very on, I have on a very like, um, secure from a very secure source. Yeah. From an inside source. I heard gold is very, very high quality. Very high quality. Trust me. If you knew the person who told me, you would be like, oh my God, I have to go. I'm not going to tell you who told me, but like, it's crazy. He I promise you. He's saying, <laughs> it's a very long way to say, I saw it. I saw, I saw it. I saw, I the, saw gold. the gold. But he didn't. But he, he didn't. didn't no, see he the gold. Because he, I don't know. Because he wouldn't go. Who goes to California in 18, what year is this? 1848. 48? No one. Sure death sentence. Sure, for sure for death sure sentence. For sure death sentence. Yeah. So yeah. that was Polk. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Abraham Lincoln. Um, no, you he, love him. No, you love him. He, his uh, famous speech in 1862 expressed the principles for which northern men would fight and die over the next three years. Okay, in... way to bring a bummer to the table. <laughs> you guys are going to fight and die for the next <laughs> three to ten years. So that's the state of the that's union. That's the state of the union oh because the state of our union is in flux. It's in flux. <laughs> Guys, people uh, are leaving. <laughs> people are leaving. And uh, you know what? We're going to try and save the union. It set the bar. This speech of Lincoln set the bar for the state of the union address for what, what house.gov determines to be oh. the best prose ever written by a president. Wow. That is the opinion of house.gov. House.gov. Really strong. It's statement. probably true. Yeah. Like This is what house.gov thinks is the strongest, the, the best prose ever written by a president. <laughs> the quote from Lincoln. The dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. God, it's good. First of all, wow. Wow. Okay. I am, you're making me sweat. I'm weeping. <laughs> the occasion is piled high with difficulty and we must rise with the occasion. 
As our case is new, so we must think anew and act anew. We must disenthrall ourselves, and then we shall save our country. Wow. It's good writing. He's a good writer. He's a good writer. He's basically like, wake up. You we guys, have to do things. We have to do. We, we it have is things difficult. To do. <laughs> People are seceding. <laughs> guys, we shall save our country. We shall save our country. We shall save our country. Disenthrall yourself. Disenthrall. Yeah, he's a good writer. He's a good writer. It's, it's good prose. It's good prose. It's is good it prose. the best? I, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like I feel like Polk being like, I think there's gold. Really rivals <laughs> really it. Really rivals <laughs> it. His pure description of the lie about the gold is epic. Yes. It's it's cute. Yeah. Next up, friend of the show, FDR. House.gov says, in 1942, President Roosevelt put the country's wartime goals into words. Great. Yeah. We goal set it. <laughs> Achieving these goals would be the full-time job for 16 million Americans over the next three years. The U.S., Roosevelt said, was fighting to achieve four freedoms, not just the U.S., but for the entire world. And those four freedoms were. And these are from FDR. And these are these are from FDR. Yeah. These are FDR's freedoms, four yeah. freedoms that we're fighting to, to achieve freedom of speech and expression. OK, we're fighting to achieve freedom of every person to worship God in his his own way. Mm hmm. Fighting to achieve freedom from want, which means economic understandings, which will secure to every nation a healthy peacetime life for its inhabitants. Big aspirations. Yeah. Big goals. And finally, we are fighting to achieve freedom from fear, a worldwide reduction of armaments armaments to such a point that no nation will be in a position to commit an act of physical aggression against any neighbor anywhere in the world. Wow, talk he about had, he had big dreams. He had big dreams. He had big dreams. This was on his, his I love vision he's board. So, he, it's a vision board. And I love I love him for especially this last part I feel like is so aspirational yeah. and so and so sweet. Yeah. I mean, cuz this and this, this is, is also like no like, more fighting. Like what a pacifist. Cuz we we just did World War 1, so we're coming from that and we're at the very beginning of World War 2. Like we don't yeah. even know yet like how hor- horrific it's going to be. And just like the loss of yep. lives and obviously what happens um, in Germany. But like, it's crazy. It's nuts. That like, this is where he's at. You know, it's yep. like, oh, my heart goes out to him because nobody knows yet. We know. <laughs> we know. But they don't know. They don't know yet. Another famous State of the Union is from LBJ. Few addresses touched as many American lives as the 1964 message from Lyndon B. Johnson, which launched his highly ambitious, quote, unconditional war on poverty, end quote. He said, quote, our aim is not only to relieve the symptom of poverty, but to cure it and above all to prevent it. I know. And they can't, they they did well with that. Like they basically eradicated poverty. And then hi, Reagan. And then hi, Reagan. Yeah. So in the months that followed it, he pushed legislation that would expand the government's role on civil rights, education and health care. It would produce the Office of Economic Opportunity, the Job Corp, Vista, food stamp programs, Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah. So he really stuck to his word. He, he was did. like, people are starving. <laughs> people are, this is we've got to change. We've got to change that. Yeah. And then Bill Clinton had Bill. a couple. I know he had a couple of big speeches in 1996. Bill Clinton Stunned Congress with his 96 address when he announced that the era of big government was over. Look, you need a good opening. Yeah. The era of big, big government is over. 
Ding, ding, ding. Love. Which was a surprising thing to come to hear a Democrat say out loud because usually, you know, Democrats are the ones who get... Who love government. Who love government. They love services. They love providing people with stuff, which is great. It also just means, like, you spend the money not only on the actual giving of money and services to people, but you spend money on the bureaucracy of doing that. And so... He made this announcement that the era of big government was over. It's over. Consider it over. Consider it done. Great. And in the coming months, he actually has taken criticism, I think, for this. And since he's been out of office, Clinton introduced spending cuts that pared back programs and enabled him to announce in his 98 address that the government had balanced the books and was expecting a surplus. L-O-L. Come on, Bill. We haven't had a surplus since never. (laughs) I mean, there was a government surplus for sure. Yeah, but like... But when you cut stuff at back. At what cost? You right, know, right, it's right, like, like, yeah, there's a surplus if you cut don't do programs anything. that we right. need. Right. Like, come on. Yeah. And so then in 1998, and this is from John Avalon at CNN, Bill Clinton was giving his speech to, he was giving the State of the Union, like, just as the, his, like, sex scandal had come like out. Like, in the moment? In the, like, it was, like, days later. Oh, days later. Okay, great. Um, I imagine but, him, like, like basic- giving it and, like, breaking news. <laughs> we take you from the breaking news State of the Union to the breaking news scandal. Yeah. And John Avalon at CNN said that Bill Clinton's 98 State of the Union was one of the greatest performances in American politics. And honestly, like, if you... Give him a Tony. Give him a Tony. If you you have a sex scandal that comes out because you slept with an intern... Sure. Because he knew this was coming out. Like, there's no way that they didn't tell his office that they were publishing this report. Right. The scandal was breaking. Right. The scandal was breaking. And then he had to go on, you know, do the State of the Union and like get people on his side before it broke. So John Avalon says only days before the president's speech, the president's affair with I feel awful saying her name because it's not her fault. It is not her fault. It's not her fault. It's good. But it's, but it's good to say like the the way we treated Monica Lewinsky then. Yes. Was horrible. Shit. And Utter it was shit. not her fault. No. Nope. She was a very young intern yep. who was influenced by the president of the United States. Yep. So I love to take any opportunity to remind our listeners right. that like let's look at it in, with a modern lens. Yeah. And that it is not her fault. It yeah. is not the Monica Lewinsky scandal. It is Bill Clinton being a sleaze bag. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So days before th- that scandal had come to light and the Clinton White House was trying to get a handle on the Deal media with it? frenzy. Sure. And because basically everybody was like, is this going to wreck his presidency? Sure. Like, what are we going to do about this? And head speechwriter Michael Waldman handed headed a speechwriting team that, quote, combed through the speech to remove any double entendres that could cause people to laugh or get played on a loop by Jay Leno. <laughs> Phrases like, must be strong abroad. Oh, God. It's like, that to me isn't really a double entendre. Like, that's a, that's like, a really know, conservative. This is so annoying because this is like a bunch of like middle-aged white dudes being like, cool, what would we find funny if we knew that like there was like a sex scandal? <laughs> right, right, right. But I like, mean, get out of town. But they're also, probably the Jay, best the people Jay to Leno, do that job. Like, Jay Leno kind of sucks in his treatment of women and, you know, like especially this scandal. There's a lot of clips of him making fun of Monica Lewinsky. And oh, it's yeah. just like, guys, come on. No. Yeah, like, no. come on. Come on. Be better. Clinton had uh, one thing really going for him that as he headed into the speech, and that was that he was presiding over the first budget surplus in a generation, in a sure. very long time. Sure. Newt Gingrich called Clinton to give him some advice. And if you don't remember, <laughs> Newt Gingrich is a toad. Oh, Looks like one. And But he was Speaker of the House. And he called Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton, and said, quote, you should have something near the beginning where you can get bipartisan applause. Thanks, Newt. Right. Thanks for the tip. Like, what? Come yeah. on. I Newt, get, 
Stop. I know. But then according to, I think it was the speechwriter who was talking to John Avalon from CNN, the speechwriter guy said like, yeah, we took the advice and removed some shit around. Yeah. <laughs> so You're silly. Like, okay. Okay. So then when he came out, when Clinton came out to give the speech, everybody loved him and they erupted in applause. And he opened with a moment of silence for two Congress people who had recently died. Sonny Bono. Wow. Ex-husband of Cher. Cher. And uh, Walter Capps, who was a Democrat. Uh, Sonny Bono was a Republican. And so like he, wa- like he walks into applause, odd enough. Sure. And then he's like, these two great serving members of our you know, public servants have, have died. Passed. Yeah. And so he like sets this like somber tone and like really doing well to like get people on his side. Right. He's like, I feel I'm emotional. I'm emotional. Surely, this is really I hard. I will be your leader. Da, 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 yeah. da. Fun fact. Tell me. From from John Avalon at CNN. I'm saying his name over and over because we've literally just like used so much. Used so much of his writing. Shout out to John. He received 104 sustained bursts of applause. Sure. Count him. Speech. You know, there's somebody with a little Pen and paper being like, that's number six. <laughs> like marking them up. Yep. Stick and tally. number seven. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, I mean, it's surprising the work that went into this speech to turn around a scandal. Yeah. 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 As they were like leading up to impeachment proceedings in the house. Like it's Crazy. just, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a monumental event. And I think one that we should, um, you know, pay attention to. Pay attention. Let's finish this up with my favorite thing on the entire planet. Fun facts. So first we're going to talk about like length fun facts. So length of speeches. The longest. (sighs) The longest one was. I know. know. President. My boyfriend of the show. President Jimmy Carter wrote 33,667 words in his written 1981 State of the Union. Like. Yeah. So impressive. So impressive. So impressive. He goes above and beyond. Yep. He always goes above and beyond. President Bill Clinton wrote or spoke 9,190 words in his 1995 address. Uh, so that's the longest written and the longest spoken. And then the shortest, <laughs> bless his heart, was yep. President George Washington in 1790 with 1,000 89 words. Listen, I love it. Look, short and quick. What else? What's I, he going to talk about? I got Netflix What's to he going to talk about? Yeah. What does George have to talk about? He just We're won 13 the war. colonies. He, he just, just did it all. He's tired. Yeah. He's tired. He's like, I just won the war. Like, I, I'm being forced to be president because the other eight people in the GOAT nominated me. So what do you want me to say? We have we have a union. Right. That's the message. I also, I love that he's speaking to people who all were there at the creation of the union. And he's like... you. I don't what do I have to tell you about yeah you did it too I yeah. it's like uh yeah. so much the average length of them in the 19th century was about 10,000 words and the late 20th century is about 5,000 words so we're gonna cut it down we're getting efficient we look I love, love editing editing yep. yep the most messages slash addresses given uh, not surprisingly by President FDR which was 12 and 10 were personal appearances before Congress the other two were not the fewest messages slash addresses given were, in this order, President Zachary Taylor with one, and President <laughs> William Henry Harrison with zero, and President James A. Garfield with zero. All of them died? I think they all died. All of them died yeah, yeah, in yeah. office. They were like... All of them died. I can't handle the pressure. I can't do it. Well, one of them... Well, because speaking of public... Two of them died. One of them... Wasn't Garfield assassinated? He was, yeah. 
Did he not die when he was assassinated? No, no, no. I mean, I mean, the, like, I mean, the like two of them died in, with natural oh, the causes, like, with yes, illness, yes, yes. and one of them was assassinated. It's different when somebody dies of assassination <laughs> versus dying from typhoid. typhoid. Hey, the resident <laughs> illness of the show. Shout out to typhoid. typhoid. This show is sponsored by typhoid, typhoid. <laughs> and the cure for typhoid. And the cure for typhoid. Next up, technical changes that have happened. Fun fact. The first radio broadcast was by President Calvin Coolidge in 1923. The first television broadcast was President Harry Truman in 1947. The first televised evening delivery was they used to happen in, in the, the daytime. Day. Well, office hours. I get it. I'm like, I don't want to I don't want to stay late. So the first evening delivery was by LBJ in 1965. I love that. Can you imagine being in that room being like, I need the people to care. I need them to say, what I need if them we care. did it when they At could night. watch it? Yeah. <laughs> the first live webcast on the internet was President George W. Bush in 2002. The first high definition television broadcast now was President George W. Bush in 2004. And then in 1945, another fun fact, separate fun fact, yep. a 19, in 1945, President FDR's address was read to a joint session of House of the House and the Senate. Since the president did not deliver the address, it does not count as an in-person address. No, because somebody had to read it. Because he was dying. Right. He was ill. Are you, I'm so like, you're splitting hairs and you're not like taking We're into not- consideration that FDR was a dying. dying. But he didn't read it out loud himself, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Another fun fact, kind of sad fun fact, President Ronald Reagan's <laughs> State of the Union address for 1986 was rescheduled because of the Challenger disaster that took place earlier in the day. Yeah, that was Very bad. smart move to reschedule. Yeah. That's crazy. If nobody knows, if people don't know, the Challenger was a uh, spacecraft that upon launch exploded, exploded. and killed... I don't know how many astronauts, but at least five or six, yeah. um, maybe more. Uh, and it was, it was a travesty. It, it was, was like, like really tragic. Yeah. It was so, like JFK. Wasn't like that it, the one that had a teacher on it too? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. The Challenger makes me sad. I know. And then final fun fact. We've talked, we've alluded to this, but there was a huge break in in-person messages. So from this point to this point, they were all written. Yep. So after John Adams in 1800... The next in-person message wasn't until enemy of the show, Woodrow Wilson, in 1913. So 113 years. Yeah. Of just, here's the email. Here's the, yeah. <laughs> here's, um, I've, it, I've dictated my desires. I've done it. I've done it. Yep. Call it. Yep. And those are the fun facts. That's it. That's them. Uh, state of the Union. That was the State of the Union for this episode. Yay. A lot of fun. A yeah. lot of fun. We did I, it. We did it. We did it. And guys... You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> what are you going to say? We love you so, so much. Aww. I love you. Arden loves you. We love you. And if you like us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. We're on all of the platforms. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. And we love you so very much. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.